Life of Emerald presents five episode podcast series on women's equilibrium and the meaning of marriage. Welcoming Dr. Adrian, the founder of That's Allowed podcast and an author of Melting Ivory, and Sunder Light, the author of Here Lies Sunder Light. Hi, ladies, welcome to our studio. Hey, thanks for having Hi, us. Adrian. Thanks for thanks for creating this space. Sure, sure, for the Women Collective. Our episode today, one, we're going to dialogue about the meaning of marriage and the purpose in 2020. Mm, historically, uh, the main goal of marriage early on was to act as an alliance between families throughout history, and even today, families arrange marriages for couples. And most couples didn't marry because they were in love, but for economic liaison. So let's start from here, ladies. What is your definition or perspective or story about marriage, our infamous word marriage. <laughs> you know, we take it away first, doctor. Absolutely. So I would say that marriage to me is a solidification of a partnership. And partnerships come in all kinds of, you know, shapes and sizes and forms, but this is a very specific partnership where you've decided that you want to have this person as your sort of witness for the rest of your life. Someone said that to me a long time ago, that they just wanted a witness to their life. And I've really kind of glommed onto that. So that's what I think of marriage as, as you are choosing to be a part of this person's life in that capacity, that you are there to support them and to see them through whatever happens and to sort of be a container for the rest of their life. That's how I see marriage. Well, uh, it's a little different than mine, although I absolutely adored that because I'm like, wow, there is still a very rosy tinted version of this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the way I've always kind of seen marriage specifically from like even my friends who got married um, is this idea that you are agreeing that at some circumstance, this other person, at least from a, a woman's point of view, is now... Um, worth altering your your life um, in regards to the name that you were given at birth, um, the way you're seen within taxes, the way that your children will be resumed um, in any state of uh, what, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word of it now, um, what the right or wrong ways would be to be seen in every aspect that you can actually turn off. Um, when I think of marriage and knowing that on my point of view, it's from a child's point of view, I've never actually been married myself. Um, the way I experience it is this idea that you are agreeing that you, in most cases of what the law or what um, a lot of people would see you as, is now um, a combined force of two lives that are very different minded but now going to treat everything very like ways um, at least on the outer front um, and have this person who doesn't necessarily know everything about you explore everything going forward as if you guys are a team or an entity that is now tied for, for better or for worse in regards to choices uh, where you live, where you go, and how you are seen within society based on 
how you all work as a forever partnership. Um, yeah, so I guess it's a long way of putting it. <laughs> okay. What about you, Kate? Yeah, my perspective. Um, someone once told me that is two people, I, I don't agree with it, but two people um, riding one boat. And I disagree with this. And my perspective is two people, let's say canoeer, paddling together side by side is my definition of marriage. And I'm quite open-minded to what marriage is from now on. Um, I've, I've tried once and uh, I think I've op- I was operating um, from my mom and dad traditional way of being married you know you get married and you live you live until you die that's that was the idea and they're still married and they're they're more friends now than before and so yeah I have a little bit I'm not really sure what the definition of marriage is right now but let's let's dialogue about this So, So Sander, I I was really interested in what you were saying about, because absolutely the the historical marriage is a patriarchal institution, 100%. And so there are still vestiges of that. And uh, I experienced that in my first uh, marriage. And so uh, in my second and third marriages, (laughs) I'm on number three now. (laughs) Third was the charm. Third, Third time's the charm. So... Uh, in my second and third marriages, I kept my name. I did not give away my name anymore. Props, yeah. Yes. And I also, when I had a daughter with my second husband, uh, insisted that she take my last name, which oh, she did. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> things are changing now, but it really takes that, you know, it takes you standing up and saying, no, I don't want that. That's not my ideal partnership. That's not how I see things. And I think that's that's what marriage can be, is that it can be this partnership where you decide as a couple what you want the partnership to look like and you come up with agreements that make sense for you. But I think historically it really has not been that and there's a, a bias and a default that falls to the man to make those decisions. Yeah. And I think that's really unfortunate and it really does a disservice, not just to the institution of marriage, but to partnerships in general. I I fully agree because I love that you have such a strong, like I can feel your energy. I love this Um, (laughs) because at least from my experience of it, it was like, um, I know my mom before her and my father even got together, she was a single mom had my, my, my oldest sister, who at the time I think was around like 11 or 12, living by herself in California, met my dad on a blind date in New York City, moved my mom and my sister there. They lived with her, him in New Jersey and like for the 20 years of bliss that they had, like I, I didn't even know any of these things had like happened where the, that power of I'm independent all of a sudden kind of became frail because when they did get divorced all of a sudden I started observing my mom who was independent all of a sudden now we didn't have a car now we were on welfare now we were with my grandparents and Joshua Tree I'm like what happened to like my my house by the beach and and the nice cars um so at least from what you're sharing I love 
that even though my mom had to like then recalibrate herself, it seems like that is a very similar thing that women are very empowered to do is like be able to overcome these type of things. But in my idea state, I never want to be in that um, state of vulnerability, I guess, um, in front of children too. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Cause yeah, sometimes I, I don't get to share this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the, it really depends too on, on the partner that you choose, right? Yeah. Some, some men are much more open to those ideas than others, right? My first husband was very, he's African and he was very traditional and yeah. this patri patriarchal structure. And if I had had a child with him, he would own that child. You know I mean? <laughs> he would own that child. Yeah. And that is a very scary thought to me looking back that I could have just lost a child in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I do think you have to, especially when you bring children into a relationship, you really have to think about how this relationship is going to affect that child. Mm -hmm. And if you have a power dynamic that is off in any way, they will see that, they will feel that. You cannot hide that from a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the power dynamic. Uh, you guys touched based on um, recalibration as a woman and yes. unconsciously or subscribing to woman. I mean, a man has a say. Woman moves towards men, and we want to balance this power by knowing what is going on really. And Dr. Adrian, you mentioned. The, the power dynamic when looking at you know when when you're bringing in child into an equation and that power dynamic between a couple will determine what type of outcome it may co contribute so let's talk about the power dynamic in terms of bringing some equilibrium to women collective like that yeah that's a great question how do you bring equilibrium to women what what can we kind of do as individuals to let other women know hey it's okay to find your own equilibrium it's okay to recalibrate even kind of within a relationship i think and i think the best way to do that is just to lead by example you know and that's that can be a very hard thing to do because when you fall in love you can completely lose your equilibrium and you can completely <laughs> subsume yourself into a relationship and say well it's okay because i'm in love and you find i think as you get older too that that is just not the case that <laughs> 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 it's just not okay and as soon as you recognize that that you have kind of lost your equilibrium it's really your job to to recalibrate that and to find that again and to say i this is this is you know these are my boundaries this is what i need to feel like I'm on equal footing in this relationship. And how do you, I mean, how do you advocate for that? I mean, it's under, you can touch base on this. And how do you advocate yeah. if women are going into a marriage with the, with not knowing that men has more power than women and trying to recalibrate within the marriage, but how do you do that? How do you do that, Sandra? What do you think? Uh, well, at least in my observation, and I love that um, you've actually mentioned this before, like that whole idea behind couple or uncoupling couples. Um, conscious uncoupling, idea, yeah. Conscious uncoupling, thank you. Yes, see, you she you taught bet. me. 
<laughs> what what I was discovering through my own kind of conversations is I feel like you almost already know like whether it happens to the male happening first or the female like I feel like there's an energy like I know a lot of my friends and my family like still like what, what do you mean energy but like it, it's that feeling of um, disconnect or that that feeling where you know that that um, spark or that love maybe not be at the same level of where it was or where it is and so at least in my mind um, I feel like I've, I've always kind of sensed that in my relationships in the past when they were getting close to possibly ending or where it is and so the first thing that I, I became conscious of specifically in my last two relationships like during the latter half is realizing okay maybe it's not in them maybe it's something that I have really kind of like lost and so um, when you're asking this, like the thing that I'm thinking of, like, okay, where and when as a, an individual, do we become responsible for like where we're feeling a lack of love that mm-hmm. maybe we were expecting them to have. Um, and so I, I feel like the first step, at least in this, like what I also saw my mom doing is finding those areas where you reconnect, like what has you be loving or has you feeling um, that sense of self-worth, which really does, I think, regenerate the idea or the, the, the recalibrates where we might have been giving um, a loss of power more, um, more of a hold on us. And so at least for me speak, speaking of like where I really got it was realizing like, okay, what was I, what did I stop doing um, in a lot of cases to help please or in some cases have the other person feel more um, worthy, um, which then I realized again was taking away from myself. So I think the first thing that anyone can do as an individual is recalibrate where their self-worth is um, Mm -hmm. and then rediscover what it is that might have them being more empowered to give it back to themselves. Um, But yeah, that's where I would start. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think self-love is so important in this equation. Yeah. If you are not respecting your own boundaries, you really can't expect anybody else to. And if you are not showing that love for yourself, I mean, of course, you're going to find someone who, who doesn't <laughs> love you the way you think you need to be loved or expect to be loved. And I think what we do is we have this, like you said, we have this expectation of like, you're supposed to to love me. And then when they don't, it's like we we try all these tricks, we try all these like manipulation tactics to try to get them to show us that love, yeah. right? And that just makes everything so much worse. <laughs> and so what I've learned, you know, at this, this point in my life is that basically if someone isn't showing you that love, either they don't, they don't know how to show you love in a way that communicates to you or they just don't have it for you. I mean, it's really one of those two things. And so when it comes down to it, if you can teach them, hey, this is what feels like love to me, and they can accept that and they can learn to show you in ways that speak to you, that they love you, then that can work. And if they're not willing to do that, and if they just don't put that effort forward, then honestly, you gotta go. You just have to, and it hurts. Oh, it hurts so much, but the thing is, If you stay in that situation, it is a no-win situation for everyone involved. And so you just have to trust that you will find that person. And believe me, that person is out there. You will find that person who it's easy for them to love you. It is like breathing 
for them to love you and to show you love. And when you find that, Mm -hmm. it's like everything else you had before that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. So you're you're giving a lot of hope here, and, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I heard you clearly. It's okay to let go of marriage if it doesn't work. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you learn wonderful things from relationships, but sometimes relationships th- that relationship wasn't intended to be your forever partner, and that's okay. And it was beautiful for what it was. So this is completely mm, shattering my conditioning of what marriage is by marriage you marry once and you marry until you die and so you're okay you're okay with parting ways and with, as Sunder mentioned conscious uncoupling mm-hmm. and now we are going to choose over our happiness and their happiness over being contractually married and this is a new concept and brings a lot of hope. Let me read you, ladies, some of the um, definition of different types of marriage. There's common law marriage, cousin marriage, um, endogamy is traditional marriage within the limits of local community only, exogamy, when you marry outside of a specific clan or tribe, monogamy, we're talking about marrying one person at a time, and polyandry, women who have more than one husband, <laughs> polygamy the practice of having more than one spouse at a time okay Poly, polygyny a man who has more than one wife <laughs> and same-sex marriage partners of the same sex who are married so there are many like a buffet table of what marriage can be Sunder <laughs> <Yes. laughs> like what do you think what do you, what what's one of the healthy ones healthy marriage you think is can work um i'm glad you read all of them because literally it wasn't until 2015 i even knew about like polyamorous um and there has been a lot of times where i do question why um certain backgrounds like specifically for me i grew up uh, my dad was catholic my mom was christian and at least in both of those different religious backgrounds they both believe in um monogamous relationships and even in that situation like both my 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 mom and my dad's parents um stayed married until um both my dad's parents are now deceased and then my mom um, my grandma is still alive on my mom's side and they married and they stayed in their relationship so it is really interesting knowing how many different points of views there are because at least in my family my mom and dad getting divorced at age 12 was the first divorce I knew about. Um, and it, I thought everyone also lived in the same house, never moved. I, it blew my mind sometimes when I, I think about what I used to focus on as like, what is the collective? Um, but knowing that there are these different views and different points and whatnot, um, I also realized that at least in the way that I see my, my parents now um, dating wise, um, it, it still blows my mind because I'm like their relationships now are nothing like what I thought marriage was because I don't know if you've all experienced this but yeah as a child I I didn't realize how I'd only seen a very narrow-minded way of all of this so the more I am exposed to it now my my point of view is always like yeah why not yeah why not like what is normal um, and sometimes I see people who are in 
same-sex marriages that I'm just like, there is no other person that would have been for these two individual lights of love. And then I see people who are in polyamorous relationships. I'm like, I, I don't even know how I handle dating more than two people at a time, let alone in a <laughs> relationship where multiple people are coming together. And so for me, I, I think when I think about it, it has me just question like, what limits as as humans within this idea of what humanity is do we put on ourselves to have this awareness that some of these might not be better or lesser than any of them like i think it is so great to know that there actually are not only um definitions for it but there are people defying what other people say is right or wrong um, in such a loving way. So um, when you're asking me what I think about it, I love that there are so many ways for humans to show love that as a child who literally thought like, divorce, life is over. So now all of a sudden when I see it, 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 if anything, like um, what Dr. Uh, Adrian was giving earlier, it's it's, it's so much hope in what I have curiosities about and then realizing that they can still be defined as something else like I don't know if any other um, versions of love are going to come out but it is it is pretty profound coming from a a girl who lived in a, a small valley that had one road in and one road out to know that there are so many different ways to show love now mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely so I had a very different response to my parents' divorce, which was, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> because <laughs> they fought like, like those two. I mean, there were dishes breaking all over the place. My sister and I used to hide in the back of the lazy boy chair because it was so scary when they would fight. And so when they finally, when my dad finally left, we were like, oh good, it's so quiet. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and you know, and I, and I, my parents got saner when they were apart from each other. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. I watched them become themselves again when they got out of that dysfunctional pattern that they had been in and I thought oh okay so sometimes relationships make you stronger and sometimes they make you weaker and when you have the wrong combination you know it can really cause problems and so that taught me an important lesson Uh (laughs) and I completely agree with you I love that there are so many varieties of partnership and marriage now and I love that agreements is what it all comes down to when I see, you know, a, a two people or a group of people that are willing to make the same agreements together consensually, and when I say consensually, I don't just mean like begrudgingly, I mean enthusiastically. That's what consent is to me. It's like, yes, yes we're excited about this, we're on board, this fulfills my needs. If you have that with someone or even more than some, you know, one person, count yourself so lucky. And I will tell you, I've been in a polyamorous relationship and it is a lot of work. You are absolutely right. It takes <laughs> such painstaking communication, just constant, constant communication and vulnerability, putting yourself out there over and over and over again and getting hurt <laughs> and being willing to get hurt yeah. to have that experience of having more than one love in your life at a time. And for some people that is so fulfilling and so rich. And for me, 
I discovered that what I really wanted more than anything was just to have one partner hmm. that was just completely focused on me and I could focus all my love on that one person. Yeah. And so that's what worked best for me. But I, I absolutely agree that for some people, polyamory is wonderful and it works incredibly well as long as there's that honesty and cons like enthusiastic consent. So I think the, one, sorry, one more yeah, thing. Sure, sure, sure. I think the, pro the biggest problem in most open relationships is that there's a hierarchy where it's like, this is our relationship and our relationship is the most important thing. But then we have these lovers, but you treat them as sort of lesser than. Like wow. they, yeah, like they aren't full partners. They aren't full, you know, people almost. And it yeah. gets really gross and disturbing to me. And so those relationships I have real issues around because everyone I think in a relationship needs to have equal footing or it's just yeah. going to be a disaster. Yeah. So I'm listening to you and fire alarm is going off. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh yes. Because... Oh good. Okay. <laughs> good fire alarm. <laughs> because, um, Okay, I li listening to the agreement, right? Balance first, 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 first of all, when two people come together and agree, um, sometimes they are not agreeing on the same conditions. And how do you mitigate that? Again, it takes such painstaking open communication. You really have to define your terms and you have to completely understand where the other person is actually coming from and what they really, really need. So and that can take years to actually unpack sometimes. That, that's a great point, but it takes years to unpack. And within the, the, the journey of getting to knowing what they really want and what I really want, mm -hmm. mm, like what do we do when it comes down to oh I signed up for what I didn't think he mm -hmm. was or she was in yes. this moment of shock and, and sometimes feeling... you didn't know that you had a need until you stumbled upon it mm -hmm. I mean often we that's the the case with boundaries we don't know they're there until we trip over them and then we go oh that's a boundary I didn't even see that there <laughs> And so, you know, that's, that's the beauty of a, an, a, a good partnership where you can share that and then, you know, work through that and come to another equilibrium together in a new agreement. But when it's not a good partnership and you feel like you have to tiptoe around somebody else's needs or bend over backwards to accommodate them, then it's so scary to even bring up like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that this is working for me anymore. So I really recommend to anyone who's getting into a partnership, the most important thing is, is that person open to hearing your needs? Is that person willing to work with you? Because if you have that, then you can weather any storm. But if you don't, it really doesn't matter, even if you agree 100%, because later down the road, things change and you will change and they will change. Yeah, um, specifically about that, like what I, I love the most is like right now I'm in a relationship where like I'm actually with a partner who will do yoga with me. Like we did a mindful meditation for like just seven minutes like today. Nice. It was like beautiful just like walking around. But like I think about the relationships I've been in the past where I was like, I think I'm gonna start doing half marathons. I'm gonna start running. He's like, cool, I'm gonna stay here, watch some TV, like drink beer, like 
sports stuff. I'm like, okay, totally cool. Which again, and I think this is another thing we're talking about, like finding where your boundaries are. Cause sometimes that was, that was cool. But like, if I, if I was ever coming into a relationship now, like I tripped over that boundary. I know that's not something that I like friendship, totally cool. But now I, I want someone who wants to do like bigger growth with me. And mm-hmm. I think what I'd also like to point out is like when relationships are having this, it's also having communication with people who are affected by it. Because as you guys are talking about this, all of a sudden I was realizing like that was what was happening with my parents, like specifically about like needing like space from each other. But instead of letting, I don't know if they had a conversation with themselves, they just both started kind of doing it. Um, Cause I, I love the way you shared Dr. Adrian like, about like them fighting. Like I was like, my parents didn't really fight. Like I remember my sister saying that they fought, but I don't remember them actually fighting in front of us too much, but they're like, it was at night when you were asleep. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was asleep. So maybe there was an agreement. We'll only have these arguments when the kids are asleep. I'm sorry. Right. I'm a deep sleeper. <laughs> but like during, yeah, during, <laughs> during like the days, like I remember like my mom, like if she needed space, she would just close the door and lock it. And like, we couldn't go see her. And then we'd be like trying to talk to our dad, but then he would go into his back room and just be like editing or like writing his papers and stuff. So it was just, I'm realizing that also having these like boundaries that you all realize that you want to have in your partnership, also realizing that maybe the communication can't just be body language. Like I'd like to talk about what it looks like to actually put these things as verbal agreements. Like, is that something that is common or is that like, I feel like we do rely so heavily on like body language and, oh, well, you should have known what I meant when I said that. It's like, how would I have known? Right. I think it is becoming more and more common for people to write out their own agreements and actually be really explicit and clear with those, but it's not as common as I think it should be. So (laughs) again, I guess leading by example, you know, it's a really good idea to clarify your terms and, and actually write stuff down so you can revisit and look back and go, does this still work for us? Is this still the the agreement that we want? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great point, ladies. Um, Let's dialogue about equality versus equity. Um, (laughs) What does equality and equity mean in terms of women and men in a marriage? What do you think? Take it away, lady. So I know we've talked about this a little bit. I, I love to clarify this point because I don't think everybody understands the difference between equal treatment and equitable treatment. So just because, you know, for example, I love to use this example. Let's say there's two children and they both have to take a test, okay? If you give both children the exact same test and the exact same time to do the test in, that seems really fair, right? Until you realize that one of these children is blind. And so if you give them the exact same written test, one of those children is not going to be able to take that test. So you have to give the blind child a braille test and the seeing child a written test. And so they need to be treated equitably, but that doesn't mean they need the same things. And I think often in relationships, we make this mistake. We think, because I want this, then you must want this too. Because this works for me, then this must obviously work for you. Rather than clarifying our terms and saying, actually what my needs are is this, this, and this. And so then making sure that both people's needs are met and both people's boundaries are respected, but recognizing that those won't be the same, they won't be the same things. 
So again, it comes down to communication. Yeah. And that takes a lot of self-awareness too. And like I said, that, you know, sometimes that's, that's the real work is just learning what we want and recognizing that it's okay. And not only okay, it's important for us to find out what we want and communicate that to our partner. And I think a lot of women, I know I grew up like this, grew up feeling like our needs are not as important. Our comfort is not as important. And so we don't even think about, well, what do I need? What do I want? What's important to me? Because we don't want to have any needs. Having needs feels scary. It feels like we're demanding or we're difficult or, you know, we're high maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't even give it thought. And so how do we even have a chance of having a fulfilling relationship when we don't even know what's fulfilling to us? Wow. Hmm. I'm, I'm still thinking about how to, to phrase this because I, I know it kind of becomes a touchy subject, but the way that I would kind of put a lot of that, like in a summarized thing that me and Daniel have been working on literally in the four years that we've been dating, um, realizing that like you're saying, like the equity really comes down to like what I'm going to say the word is almost like childhood traumas um, or things that you yourself have gone through where all of a sudden someone who comes into this situation, like they don't know that if I'm in a relationship and I'm, I'm trying to figure something out and they're like, oh, you're exaggerating or you're lying about that. That's a trigger for me because I come from a family where if someone wants you to stop talking, they will say you're a liar. You're always doing that and then it's just be quiet um whereas from daniel's family it, it comes from when people don't talk it um there might have been something where someone might be thinking about self-harm or anything like that i'm like i've never dealt with that like if there's something that you're talking about that you're feeling i'm like i don't believe that which is kind of funny that we're very hypocritical about the things that are the most sensitive to us right it's like the quickest thing yeah the <laughs> quickest thing we're able to like pose onto someone else so one thing that me and him have gotten really good about and at least in our relationship is um observing how we relate with our parents mm, because yeah. <laughs> what what I love doing is so often when we are frustrated I'm like I'm sorry this stubbornness is my father or when we're getting like too emotional I'm like I'm sorry this feeling of being right is my mom so a lot of times the way we relate to things now is similar to what you're saying like we want equality, but realize the way we were raised and the, I, I almost want to say our, our lead examples, our, our mothers and fathers, if we were raised with both parents or sometimes uncles or sometimes grandparents, we realize that what we absorb a lot is the way that they win situations. Because again, it comes to authority, <laughs> like how did they always win the argument? And now that I'm in a relationship, how am I going to win this? But you were raised with different, like you're different site, different way to actually take a test. And so you're equipping yourselves with skills that it's like, are we going to collaborate in what we're actually trying to get across with our communication or do we want to combat? So when I'm thinking equality versus equity, I'm like, at what point are we, are we asking that we want to come together and collaborate or do we want to compete? Um, so when it's asking that, I, I think the first thing that I was thinking about is like, well, is the point to find equality and where we find our own value? Because um, 
I, I think that's the first thing that I, I think about now in my relationship that I never thought about before. It was just like, meh, like, I don't want to marry this person. And now I'm in a relationship where I'm like, actually, I don't know if I want the title, but I wouldn't mind the idea of spending my life learning more about myself with this individual who also loves me and wants to learn about themselves. So um, that's, that's where I'm on the stance. Uh, if it's equality, it's first finding out where your childhood has had you mentally prepared to be in a relationship um, that'll make your equity uh, equal, I, I think. Oh, very, very important points here. Hmm. So if I examine my former partner, the mother is more powerful than the father. And because he's, he's not, he's not the bit is not healthy and so she has a lot it's more of a matriarchal family and for me my family my mom and dad have equal power and so when we're plugging in two families you know the two people getting together you're unconsciously playing out the script how your parents operated and how his parents operated and some this is an important point we need to um, we need to understand as women collective that this matters. Some say apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> right? I agree. Wow. So the topic of equality and equity is um, a, a can of warm and we're going to hopefully dialogue in our episode uh, to come. Um, so... What I hear from all of us is that it's okay to entertain the different framework of marriage because what is most important is how we really love. And when two people can come together, even in monogamous marriage, we start from feeling, falling in love with each other. And the takeaway for me at this point is that it's okay to learn what your boundaries and your um, red flags and know yourself and your need over time in the in the construct of one marriage and once you've figured things out it's okay to mm, consciously un uncouple walk away as in forms of learning a lesson and it holds no holding into oh you're a bad person for getting a divorce because that really doesn't matter as if the marriage is like a shell, like a crab shell, we learn to grow out of it. And then what's next? The next. You know, I want to go back to Dr. Adrian. You mentioned about the uh, your experience with polyamory. Polyamory, mm -hmm. okay. And it's it's funny looking at the arc of the story. You you explore that, and then now you learn that you really want to be loving, loving to one person, one man, mm -hmm. and. My inquiry is, I haven't tried polyamory, uh, amory, can I put yet? But <laughs> I, what I know, what I know, I want to love one man, one man and be loved by one man. And so my question to both of you ladies is, do we really need to, as women, explore different types of marriage in order to really get to know what we want? I don't think you need to, no. I don't think you I don't think it's actually necessary to go through 
you know, these different experiences to figure out what you want. If you can just kind of clear away all the noise, like you were saying, the noise of the family that you grew up in and the noise of the culture that you grew up in. If you can manage to clear all of that away and actually just hear your own heart and what it really wants. And if you can really focus on that and hear your own intuition and trust it and just say yes to what it is that your heart <laughs> tells you it really, really wants, then I don't think you need any of that. But unfortunately, that is very difficult to do. It takes a lot of <laughs> self-work and it takes a lot of meditation and it, you know, and so it, it, what often ends up happening is that we go through these experiences and these adventures where we find out, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Oh, what's left? Okay. Well, I guess that's what I want. <laughs> so it's not the most efficient way of doing things, but it is in a lot of ways the most fun because that is how you end up with the great stories. And that is how you end up with these great experiences that you can then share. Uh, stories are gems. Yeah. Priceless. But I'll tell you, so my husband, for example, uh, has had very few relationships in his life. He was one of those people that just, he was really picky and he knew what he wanted. And so he just waited. And everything <laughs> that came along beforehand, he was like, nope, 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 nope. And he was alone for a really long time. And I, on the other hand, was like hopping from lily pad to lily pad to lily pad, trying to figure out what I wanted, right? Trying every which way. I was with women. I was with men. I was with multiple people. I, <laughs> I was all over the place. Like a fairy. Like a fairy, exactly. <laughs> and, and like I said, I wouldn't trade that for anything because I had all these wonderful experiences with all these people. And I learned so much about people and about myself from those experiences. But did I have to go through all of that to get to here? No, my husband didn't go through all of that. He just stayed by himself and he still got to this same spot. So there's so many different ways to learn about yourself. You just have to be open to doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thunderlight, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I've always been one that if there's an experience that I want to experience, um, I'm, I'm very willing and eager to go towards it. Um, I myself have, I actually, I, even within like, um, idea of experimenting, like I, I've never actually fully done any actual multiple things with any more people. And it's, it's interesting though. Cause like, even when I was living in New York city, um, I had an opportunity when I had gone to New York, not New York, when I'd gone to Vegas for a weekend. And I, I don't know, like just having the conversations with the people instead, like that was enough for me to know I was in that space. And then um, since I was with Daniel, we had actually met this one gentleman and he, he was very willing and, and um, at least from my understanding of the, the polyamorous type of relationships and stuff, like meeting their partners, having those types of like conversations, like even when I'm with Daniel, we've had opportunities, but at least in those opportunities, just by having the space of like that curiosity and knowing that there was a willing person who wanted or was able to have us come into that type of space, then realizing at that moment, I didn't actually want to continue or 
go through with that experience. So I'm totally with you, Kate, because like I've had so many ideas behind like what it would look like and if I wanted to pursue it. But just in the moments when it actually comes up, it's almost like I, I still have always chosen to be in a monogamous, monogamous relationship. Um, so thank you for sharing because I, 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 I've only known people who have done um, polygamy as like a choice and then they've stayed. So it's very interesting to see it on a point of view of the spectrum of going from monogamous to polyamory to back to monogamous because mm-hmm. Ah, you are, you are, you are a fairy. That is amazing. (laughs) Going, going everywhere and then coming back and telling us curious beings what it's like. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So this is perfect because Sumder, you have a perspective and I have a perspective and Dr. Adrian has perspective and it, 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 it's very different, but at the same time, it's very similar, same. There's fundamentally love at the center, love at the core. And have you have you ever um, entertained the idea of monogamish? I want to bridge the polygamy and the monogamy and kind of meet in the middle. Um, so monogamish means, according to this lady in, on TED Talk, is you are one you are with your partner and you go out on a date and you see a beautiful woman or beautiful man and as a couple you talk about it. Oh, she's hot. Oh, he's sexy. And then if woman chooses to tease him and arouse him by saying, oh yeah, what do you want to do with her? And then he speaks about it honestly. And then she says, okay, don't ever think about it. And then they have hot sex afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I think this could work, you know? Yeah, I think it just shows you that there is so much more gray area between all yeah. of these blacks and whites. There's there's absolutely a huge spectrum of possibilities. And again, as long as you have that enthusiastic agreement with your partner, anything is possible and everything is on the table. Yes, and total side note too, specifically about like conversations like that. What I love is like usually when people have had that experience or at least my my exposure of it they are so willing to allow you to and then in those moments where you're like uh i don't know about that it's there's no pressure it's almost like Mm -hmm. oh okay that's cool like not not a big deal thank you for considering and having an open mind so yeah it is interesting how many areas that at least for me that's another thing it was like no sex until you're married (laughs) which yeah and (laughs) We won't even get into all of that, but it, it is really interesting how many areas specifically within like intimacy or relationships, mm-hmm. how much it was black and white for so long in my mind and my state of understanding. And like you're saying, yeah, there's so many gray areas and it, mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful marble that it can go in and out as long as consent is there and clarification is always updated because right. what could have been okay at one moment, again, could have been like, let's have um a threesome or or let's let's experiment with um other other couples like swingers that's another one too Mm -hmm. and then in the moment or like the day of if someone says i don't feel comfortable acknowledging that someone was willing to let you know it's changed and then still having the consent behind it of letting them know it's okay to change your mind because absolutely maybe they might open up later yeah yeah and as soon as you as soon as you introduce any sort of coercion or manipulation like consent is gone trust is gone 
and you are never going to get that person to come back to that place of openness again. Yeah. Yeah. You've removed their ability to have self-love and self-respect in every way that it could possibly be to be connected with someone right on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to reflect on, uh, um, after this podcast for me, this is a homework. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's where we end our first episode. Um, and the second episode is going to be about the meaning of equality for women around the globe. And we'll dialogue about women's role in society, historical functionality of patriarchal rulership, women's gifts and power, and 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 more. And specifically addressing the woman empowerment section um, for the next episode. And here's where we say, see you later, ladies. See ya. Bye. Thank you for stopping by. Okay. Live Emerald presented five episode podcast series of women's equilibrium and the meaning of marriage. Welcome today, Dr. Adrian, the founder of That's Allowed podcast and an author of Melting Ivory and Sunder Light, the author of Here Lies Sunder Light. See you later. Bye.